You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Acts, the New Testament book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, we'll begin at verse 34. And remember that it was Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, who also writes and now shares with us in Acts. Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 34, where Luke writes, Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. We are witnesses to all that He did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put Him to death by hanging Him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who are chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about Him that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for Your love and grace. We are so grateful for the privilege now of celebrating Easter, to celebrate the risen Christ. And God, I pray as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. As Dr. Beverly Gaventa says, the Easter celebration is the central event of the Christian year. The center around which all else revolves. Easter, it's my favorite holy day in the Christian year. Easter is so vital to the Christian faith. Why? Because Easter validates Christmas. Everything that we heard about the baby Jesus before He was born, the stories of the baby Jesus, the stories of the shepherds, the angels, the wise men, everything that we've heard, everything that we've celebrated, validated at Easter. Had Easter not happened, Christmas would just have been a nice story. Easter 
It validates the teachings of Jesus. When Jesus shared with us, the kingdom of God is like this. And he told parables and amazing teachings of who God is and what God is like. Easter validates all those teachings. Without them, they would have been teachings of a good teacher. But when we know these were teachings of the risen Christ, the risen Lord, the one who was crucified, dead, and buried, but rose again on the third day, these teachings now have authority like none other. Easter. It validates all the promises of Jesus. When Jesus shared with us, this is the Word of God, and here's the promise of the faith, and here's what happens for all who will believe in Him, and how we can be forgiven for our sins and have everlasting life. Easter validates that these promises are true, because if Jesus had just been crucified, dead, and buried, end of the story, we would have always questioned Well, is the rest of it true? Are the promises real? But when we are talking about the risen Christ, the one that God has raised from the dead, all the promises of Jesus are validated. And Easter, it validates that Jesus Christ is Lord. It validates that this is not just a good man. This is not just a good prophet. This is not just a good teacher. This is not just a martyr of the faith, but Jesus Christ is Lord. No question about it. It validates it all. Now, the Gospel of John, the Scripture that we read earlier, tells us about that amazing day. The disciples, they had been through so much. Three years earlier, Jesus had called them. They had left their various professions, spent time away from their families and their homes, following the one they believed to be the Messiah. He was an amazing teacher. They listened to the teaching. He taught, as the Scripture says, as one with authority. They had witnessed the miracles. They had witnessed the feeding of the multitudes. They had witnessed healing of lepers, the casting out of demons. They had witnessed Jesus do so many things. And then they witnessed Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. They witnessed a resurrection. They witnessed one who had died and was buried coming back to life. And they had heard Peter proclaim, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And they had heard Jesus bless him. And they had heard Jesus say, it's on that faith that I will build my church. But then things changed. Jesus began to talk about things that they could not imagine. Jesus began to to say things like that he was going to suffer and die. How can that be? If you're the Messiah, how can that be when you can do all these miracles? How can that be when you can raise the dead? It made them question, who are you? But the political leaders, the religious leaders, they were all threatened by this Jesus and now... They were determined to find some way, some charges, something that they could do to crucify our Lord. 
You remember the story we shared just last Sunday that Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people are waving palm branches and they're throwing their cloaks down. They're shouting, Hosanna, save us now. Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, it seemed like this is the moment when Jesus would be revealed in the fullness of his glory, his power. The Messiah would assume the role of the throne of David, set up his kingdom. But that's not exactly the story. Because we watch as he's arrested. We witness as he's slapped spat upon, brutalized, struck across the face, whipped. We watch as He's so broken that He doesn't even have the strength to carry the cross. He then goes down the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering, the way of the cross, works His way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. We hear the sound of a hammer, hammering in the spikes in his hands and his feet. We hear the cries of agony. We hear the thump as the cross is raised and dropped into its place. We watch as the sky turns dark. We hear Jesus cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And we're in disbelief when Jesus says, it is finished. And he breathes his last. And he dies on a cross. We can't believe it's real. We can't believe that's really happening. How can that be? We thought you were the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and so when Jesus is taken down and taken to a tomb and placed in it and the stone is rolled over it, it broke the disciples. How can this be? But then we hear the story. The story on the first day of the week, the third day, Easter Sunday, that very first time when Mary goes to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. When she gets there, she sees the stone's been removed. The body of Jesus is missing. She is horrified as if he hadn't been mutilated, as if he hadn't already been humiliated on the cross. Now somebody has stolen the body. They've removed the body of Jesus. How can we honor him? How can can we share and celebrate this life of our loved one? How can we care for him with the rituals of the faith upon burial? He's not here. She runs to the disciples. She runs to Peter and to John and tells them what's happening. And then they go running to the tomb. And when they get there, Peter goes in. He sees it empty. The grave clothes are all rolled up and placed to the side. What's happening here? John comes, looks in. But they don't understand. They go home. How tragic. But Mary, we're told, is standing outside of the tomb and she's looking inside and now she sees two angels. They're asking, why are you weeping? As the tears were flowing down her face and 
They've, they've taken my Lord. I don't, know where they've, I don't know where they've placed him. She turns around and sees the figure of a man there, but with the tears in her eyes and, of course, not expecting it to be Jesus, she doesn't immediately realize who he is. And he says, why are you crying who are you looking for? And she says, they've taken the body of my Lord. If, if you've done that, tell me where you've taken him. I will take him and take care of him. And he calls her name, Mary. Oh, Jesus had said, my sheep know my voice. She recognized that voice, Mary. And she turns to him and he goes, you can't embrace me yet. I've not yet ascended but go tell the others. And she runs to tell them, I have seen the Lord. Then later that day, Jesus appears to the disciples Himself. He shows them His hands. He shows them the side. And they are amazed. They are ecstatic. He is risen. John tells us the story of the resurrection. But Peter, Peter now is going to answer the so what question. What difference does this make? The gospel, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And the gospel has made its way now through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Peter finds himself in Caesarea, which is on the coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. And not only is he up there, but he is at the home of a Roman military officer. Remember, Rome is occupying Israel at this time. And there he is in the home of this Roman military officer who is a good man who believes in God. And Peter has the opportunity now to share this gospel, the good news, the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter says, you see, God sent salvation to the world, to the whole world. Now what's interesting is some people read the Old Testament Scriptures and they have this image of God as, as one who was, who was angry throughout the Old Testament and a God who was vindictive. But that's not how the disciples ever saw Jesus. That's not how those in the early church and the Jews saw God, rather. No, this is a God who so loved that He's willing to intervene and He sends Jesus into the world. It is God who offers to the world, the whole world, this gift of salvation. And Peter now proclaims as he's standing in the home of a Gentile, and not only a Gentile, but the home of one who's part of the, the government that's occupying Israel. He says this salvation is for all people, even the Gentiles, even the Romans. And He would say to us, and even to you, the story of Easter is a story for you. For Peter says, God sent His Son to bring peace. Now that's interesting because the people thought the Messiah would come in and establish His army, set up the throne, but here we have that word shalom. The Greek, irene, 
The Hebrew greeting of shalom, God's peace, it, it, it actually means wholeness and health and security, well-being. It means salvation. See, Rome bragged about Pax Romana, which means the peace of Rome, as if the Roman Empire, the Roman government had brought peace to the world. Peter says, no, it's Jesus the Christ. For He is Lord of all. Do you hear that? Jesus is Lord. And Peter says He is Lord of all. And he tells us that God had anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. And what's beautiful there is the ones who were anointed, those were the kings. So this is indeed God's anointed Messiah. This is the anointed Christ. This is God's anointed King. And He went about seeking to help all those who were battling the devil and going through hard times in their life. He was healing people who were struggling. He was there doing good for all those who were being oppressed. For God, Peter says, was with him. And that's a powerful image because we see that in Exodus 3, for example, when God calls Moses and God says, I will be with you. To Joshua in Joshua 1.9 when he's commissioned to lead the children into the promised land, I will be with you. To Gideon in Judges 6, he, you hear, I will be with you. It's throughout the scriptures, I am with you. And the very last thing, remember, that Jesus will say to us as he ascends into heaven as I will be with you always. But God was with Jesus. And Peter then tells us, they tried, they put him to death, they hanged him on a tree. It was a heinous, cruel kind of death. But God. It's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible is, but God. Evil thought that it had won. On Good Friday, on that Friday when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus said it is finished, evil was going, yes, and celebrating. We finally put an end to him. We have ended this Messiah. We have ended this Christ. We have ended this Jesus. The story is now over. We declare victory, evil said, but God. On that first day of the week, Easter Sunday morning, God said, not so fast. God raised Jesus from the dead. And Peter said, He appeared to us. And not only that, we ate with Him, we drank with Him. Now why does Peter tell us we ate together? The reason is because ghosts do not eat. Hallucinations don't eat. We actually sat down and we ate together because He is risen. The bodily resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we were told to preach and to teach and to testify that God has ordained Him. God laid His hands on Him to be the judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets, Peter said, testify. All the prophets testify that everyone who believes in Him will receive the forgiveness of sins. You know, we're often accused in our culture of trying to make everything about us. Not everything is about us. 
But I want you to hear the good news. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, that is about you. It is about us. It's about this incredible God who never gave up on us. This incredible God, in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness, never gave up on us. You have a God who never gave up on you and went, as you've just heard, to incredible lengths for you so that whatever you've done in the past, whatever brokenness you may feel, your God so loved you. He gave His only begotten Son, then raised Him from the dead so that if you and I will believe in Him, we will be forgiven and have everlasting life. The good news... Forgiveness. N.T. Wright, the biblical scholar, puts it this way. He says, in other words, Peter is saying to Cornelius and to us, the God whom you worship from afar has done all this as part of His global plan to set everything right at last. And at every stage, Jesus is in the middle of it all. God has thus fulfilled the purposes for which He called Israel in the first place, and you, Cornelius, and everyone, everywhere who believes in His message will receive welcome at once without more ado into the family whose home has written in shiny letters above the door the wonderful word, Forgiven. Easter validates that you can be forgiven. Easter validates that you can be in a relationship with God, that your relationship with God can be restored, that no matter what you've done in the past, what I've done, regardless of our brokenness, Jesus nailed that on a cross on Friday rose from the dead on Easter Sunday so that you and I can receive His amazing grace. Here's what it means. When Jesus stretched out His arms on that cross, He stretched them wide enough to include you and to include me. And when He rose from the dead on that first Easter Sunday morning, He validated His commitment to you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.